Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planetan, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development so we can be strong role models for those we love and mentor and those we influence as well. Well, this is exciting. The final week, week 12, in my Psych 100 journey at Queen's University. And it's all about to get social. So let's get started. Chapter 64, Defining Social Psychology. A little bit different look on this chapter, but still open access textbook. The learning objectives. Define social psychology. Review the history of the field of social psychology and the topics that social psychologists study. Summarize the principles of social psychology. Describe and provide examples of the person-situation interaction and review the concepts of A, social norms, and B, cultures. As previously mentioned, I am a student, not a teacher. I'm simply sharing my journey with you and cognitively learning out loud. The field of social psychology is growing rapidly and is having an increasingly important influence on how we think about human behavior. Newspapers, websites, and other media frequently report the findings of social psychologists and the results of social psychological research are influencing decisions in a wide variety of areas. Let's begin with a short history of the field of social psychology and then turn to a review of the basic principles of the science of social psychology. The history of social psychology. The science of social psychology began when scientists first started to systematically and formally measure the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors of human beings. The earliest social psychology experiments on group behavior were conducted before 1900, and the first social psychology textbooks were published in 1908. During the 1940s and 50s, the social psychologists Kurt Lewin and Leon Festinger refined the experimental approach to studying behavior, creating social psychology as a rigorous scientific discipline. Lewin is sometimes known as the father of social psychology because he initially developed many of the important ideas of the discipline, including a focus on the dynamic interactions among people. In 1954, Fessinger edited an influential book called Research Methods in the Behavioral Sciences, in which he and other social psychologists stressed the need to measure variables and to use laboratory experiments to systematically test research hypotheses about social behavior. He also noted that it might be necessary in these experiments to deceive participants about the true nature of the research. Social psychology was energized by researchers who attempted to understand how the German dictator Hitler could have produced such extreme obedience and horrendous behaviors in his followers during the Second World War. The studies on conformity conducted by Musafir Sheriff and Solomon Ash, as well as those on obedience by Stanley Milgram, showed the importance on conformity pressures in social groups and how people in authority could create obedience, even to the extent of leading people to cause severe harm to others. Philip Zimbardo, in his well-known prison experiment, found that ordinary male college students who were recruited to play the roles of guards and prisoners in a simulated prison became so involved in their assignments and their interactions became so violent that the study had to be terminated. Mm. This research again demonstrated the power of the social setting. 
and they have a video clip here that I am not going to uh, include in the show notes because it's age-restricted on YouTube, and that means it's probably pretty violent. The Stanford Prison Experiment conducted by Philip Zimbardo in the 1960s demonstrated the powerful role of the social situation on human behavior. Social psychology quickly expanded to other topics. John Darley and Bib Latane developed a model that it helped explain when people do and do not help others in need. And Leonard Berkowitz pioneered the study of human aggression. Meanwhile, other social psychologists, including Irving Janus, focused on group behavior, studying why intelligent people sometimes made decisions that led to disastrous results when they worked together. Still, other social psychologists, including Gordon Allport and Muzaffar Sheriff, focused on intergroup relations with the goal of understanding and potentially reducing the occurrence of stereotyping, prejudice, and discrimination. Social psychologists gave their opinions in the 1954 Brown v. Board of Education Supreme Court case that helped end racial segregation in U.S. public schools, and social psychologists still frequently serve as expert witnesses on these and other topics. The latter part of the 20th century saw an expansion of social psychology into the field of attitudes, with a particular emphasis on cognitive processes. During this time, social psychologists developed the first formal models of persuasion with the goal of understanding how advertisers and other people could present their messages to make them most effective. These approaches to attitudes focused on the cognitive processes that people use when evaluating messages and on the relationship between attitudes and behavior. Leon Fessinger's 1957 important cognitive dissonance theory was developed during this time and became a model for later research. In the 1970s and 80s, social psychology became even more cognitive in orientation as social psychologists used advances in cognitive psychology, which were themselves based largely on advances in computer technology, to inform the field. The focus of these researchers, including Alice Eagley, Susan Fisk, E. Tory Higgins, Richard Nisbet, Lee Ross, Shirley Taylor, and many others, was on social cognition. An understanding of how our knowledge about our social worlds developed through experience and the influence of these knowledge structures on memory, information processing, attitudes, and judgment. Furthermore, the extent to which human decision-making could be flawed by both cognitive and motivational processes was documented. In the 21st century, the field of social psychology has been expanding into still other areas. Examples that we will consider in this book include an interest in how social situations influence our health and happiness, the important roles of evolutionary experiences and cultures on our behavior, and the field of social neuroscience, the study of how our social behavior both influences and is influenced by the activities of our brain. Social psychologists continue to seek new ways to measure and understand social behavior, and the field continues to evolve. I cannot predict where social psychology will be directed in the future, but I have no doubt that it will still be alive and vibrant. Yes, in our social world, right? 
the person and the social situation. Social psychology is a study of the dynamic relationship between individuals and the people around them. Each of us is different and our individual characteristics, including our personality traits, desires, motivations, and emotions, have an important impact on our social behavior. But our behavior is also profoundly influenced by the social situation, the people with whom we interact every day. These people include our friends and family, our fraternity brothers or sorority sisters, our religious group, the people we see on TV or read about or interact with on the web, as well as people we think about, remember, or even imagine. Social psychology is largely the study of the social situation. Our social situations create social influence, the process through which other people change our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and through which we change theirs. Maybe you can already see how the social influence provided by the members of the Heaven's Gate cult was at work in the Haley Bop suicide. Kurt Lewin formalized the joint influence of person variables and situational variables, which is known as person-situation interaction in an important equation. Behavior equals F, person-social situation. This is Lewin's equation, which indicates that the behavior of a given person at any given time is a function of, depends on, both the characteristics of the person and the influence of the social situation. The social situation creates powerful social influence. When people are asked to indicate the things that they value the most, they usually mention their social situation, that is, their relationship with other people. When we work together on a class project, volunteer at a homeless shelter, or serve on a jury in a courtroom trial, we count on others to work with us to get the job done. We develop social bonds with those people, and we expect that they will come through to help us meet our goals. The importance of others shows up in every aspect of our lives. Other people teach us what we should and shouldn't do, what we should and shouldn't think, and even what we should and shouldn't like and dislike. In addition to the people with whom we are currently interacting, we're influenced by people who are not physically present, but who are nevertheless part of our thoughts and feelings. Imagine that you are driving home on a deserted country road late at night. No cars are visible in any direction, and you can see for miles. You come to a stop sign. What do you do? Most likely, you stop at the sign, or at least slow down. You do so because the behavior has been internalized. Even though no one is there to watch you, others are still influencing you. You've learned about the rules and laws of society, what's right and what's wrong, and you tend to obey them. We carry our own personal situations, our experiences with our parents, teachers, leaders, authorities, and friends around with us every day. An important principle of social psychology is that although individuals' characteristics do matter, the social situation is often a stronger determinant of behavior than is personality. When social psychologists analyze an event such as a cult suicide, they are likely to focus more on the characteristics of the situation. For example, the strong leader and the group pressure provided by the other group members, then on the characteristics of the cult members themselves. As an example, we will see that even ordinary people who are neither bad nor evil in any way 
can nevertheless be placed in situations in which an authority figure is able to lead them to engage in evil behaviors, such as applying potentially lethal levels of electrical shock. In addition to discovering the remarkable extent to which our behavior is influenced by our social situation, social psychologists have discovered that we often do not recognize how important this social situation is in determining behavior. We often wrongly think that we and others act entirely on our own accord without any external influences. It is tempting to assume that the people who commit extreme acts, such as terrorists or members of suicide cults, are unusual or extreme people. And yet much research suggests that these behaviors are caused more by the social situation than they are by the characteristics of the individuals and that it is wrong to focus so strongly on explanations of individuals' characteristics. There is perhaps no clearer example of the powerful influence of the social situation than that found in research showing the enormous role that others play in our physical and mental health. Social support refers to the comfort that we receive from people around us. For instance, our family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. Social psychology in the public interest. How the social situation influences our mental and physical health. In comparison with those who do not feel that they have a network of others they can rely on, people who feel that they have adequate social support report being happier and have been found to have fewer psychological problems, including eating disorders and mental illness. People with social support are less depressed overall, recover faster from negative events, and are less likely to commit suicide. Married people report being happier than unmarried people, and overall, a happy marriage is an excellent form of social support. One of the goals of effective psychotherapy is to help people generate better social support networks because such relationships have such a positive effect on mental health. In addition to having better mental health, people who have adequate Social support are more physically healthy. They have fewer diseases such as tuberculosis, heart attacks, and cancer, live longer, have lower blood pressure, and have fewer deaths at all ages. Sports psychologists have even found that individuals with higher levels of social support are less likely to be injured playing sports and recover more quickly from injuries than they do receive. These differences appear to be due to the positive effects of social support upon physiological functioning, including the immune system. The opposite of social support is the feeling of being excluded or ostracized. Feeling that others are excluding us is painful and the pain of rejection may linger even longer than physical pain. People who were asked to recall an event that caused them social pain, for example, betrayal by a person very close to them, rated the pain as more intense than they rated their memories of intense physical pain. When people are threatened with social exclusion, they subsequently express greater interest in making new friends, increase their desire to work cooperatively with others, form more positive first impressions of new potential interaction partners, and even become more able to discriminate between real smiles and fake smiles. Because connecting with others is such an important part of the human experience, we may sometimes withhold affiliation from or ostracize other people in order to attempt to force them to conform to our wishes. When individuals of the Amish religion violate the rulings of an elder, they are placed under a midang, 
during this time and until they make amends, they are not spoken to by community members. And people frequently use the silent treatment to express their disapproval of a friend or partner's behavior. The pain of ostracism is particularly strong in adolescence. The use of ostracism has also been observed in parents and children, and even in internet games and chat rooms. The silent treatment and other forms of ostracism are popular because they work. Withholding social communication and interaction is a powerful weapon for punishing individuals and forcing them to change their behaviors. Individuals who are ostracized report feeling alone, frustrated, sad, and unworthy, and having lower self-esteem. Taken together, then, social psychological research results suggest that one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to develop a stable support network. Reaching out to other people benefits those who become your friends because you are in their support network and it has substantial benefits for you. Social influence creates social norms. In some cases, social influence occurs rather passively without any obvious intent of one person to influence the other, such as when we learn about and adopt the beliefs and behaviors of the people around us, often without really being aware that we are doing so. Social influence occurs when a young child adopts the beliefs and values of his or her parents or when we start liking jazz music without really being aware of it because our roommate plays it a lot of it. In other cases, social influence is anything but subtle and involves one or more individuals actively attempting to change the beliefs or behaviors of others, as is evident in the attempts of the members of a jury to get a dissenting member to change his or her opinion, the use of popular sports figure to encourage children to buy products, or the messages that cult leaders give to their followers to encourage them to engage in the behaviors required of the group. One outcome of social influence is the development of social norms, the ways of thinking, feeling, or behaving that are shared by group members and perceived by them as appropriate. Norms include customs, traditions, standards, and rules, as well as general values of the group. Through norms, we learn what people actually do. For example, people in the United States are more likely to eat scrambled eggs in the morning and spaghetti in the evening rather than vice versa. And also what we should do. For example, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And shouldn't do. For example, do not make racist jokes. There are norms about almost every possible social behavior, and these norms have a big influence on our actions. Different cultures have different norms. The social norms that guide our everyday behaviors and that create social influence derive in large part from our culture. A culture represents a group of people, normally living within a given geographical region, who share a common set of social norms including religious and family values and moral beliefs. The culture in which we live affects our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors through teaching, imitation, and other forms of social transmission. It is not inappropriate to say that our culture defines our lives just as much as our evolutionary experience does. Cultures differ in terms of the particular norms that they find important and that guide the behavior of the group members. Social psychologists have found that there is 
fundamental difference in social norms between Western cultures, including the United States, Canada, Western Europe, Australia, and New Zealand, and East Asian cultures, including China, Japan, Taiwan, Korea, India, and Southeast Asia. Norms in Western cultures are primarily oriented toward individualism. Cultural norms common in Western societies that focus primarily on self-enhancement and independence. Children in Western cultures are taught to develop and value a sense of their personal self and to see themselves as largely separate from the group around them. Children in Western cultures feel special about themselves. They enjoy getting gold stars on their projects and the best grade in the class. Adults in Western cultures are oriented toward promoting their own individual success, frequently in comparison with or even at the expense of others. When asked to describe themselves, individuals in Western cultures generally tend to indicate that they like to do their own thing, prefer to live their lives independently, and base their happiness and self-worth upon their own personal achievements. In short, in Western cultures, the emphasis is on self-concern. Norms in the East Asian cultures, on the other hand, are more focused on other concerns. These norms indicate that people should be more fundamentally connected with others and thus are more oriented toward interdependence or collectivism. In East Asian cultures, children are taught to focus on developing harmonious social relationships with others, and the predominant norms relate to group togetherness, connectedness, and duty and responsibility to one's family. The members of East Asian cultures, when asked to describe themselves, indicate that they are particularly concerned about the interests of others, including their close friends and their colleagues. As one example of these cultural differences, research conducted by Kiriyama and his colleagues found that East Asians were more likely than Westerners to experience happiness as a result of their connections with other people, whereas Westerners were more likely to experience happiness as a result of their own personal accomplishment. People from Western cultures are, on average, more individualistic than people from Eastern cultures, who are, on average, more collectivistic. Other researchers have studied other cultural differences, such as variations in orientations toward time. Some cultures are more concerned with arriving and departing according to a fixed schedule, whereas others consider time in a more flexible manner. Levine and colleagues in 1999 found that the pace of life, as assessed by average walking speed in downtown locations and the speed of which postal clerks completed a simple request, was fastest in Western countries, but also including Japan, and slowest in economically undeveloped countries. It has also been argued that there are differences to the extent to which people in different cultures are bound by social norms and customs rather than being free to express their own individuality without regard to considering social norms. And there are also cultural differences regarding personal space, such as how close individuals stand to each other when talking, as well as differences in the communication styles individuals employ. It is important to be aware of cultures and cultural differences, at least in part because people with different cultural backgrounds are increasingly coming into contact with each other as a result of increased travel and immigration and the development of the internet and other forms of communication. 
In the United States, for instance, there are many different ethnic groups and the proportion of the population that comes from minority, non-white groups is increasing from year to year. Minorities will account for a much larger proportion of the total new entries into the U.S. workforce over the next decades. In fact, minorities, which are now roughly one-third of the U.S. population, are expected to become the majority by 2042, and the United States is expected to be 54% minority by 2050. By 2023, more than half of all children will be minorities according to the U.S. Census Bureau. These changes will result in considerable growth in cultural diversity in the United States, and although this will create the potential for useful cooperation and productive interaction, it may also produce unwanted social conflict. Being aware of cultural differences and considering their influence on how we behave toward others is an important part of a basic understanding of social psychology and a topic we will return to in a later chapter. Social psychology, more than common sense. The science of social psychology addresses many phenomena that we see in everyday life. Sometimes this leads to the false belief that social psychological research is really just common sense. There is a video link here from Dr. David Hauser of Queen's University who explores this false belief, and I will link it in the show notes. Key takeaways from this chapter. The history of social psychology includes the study of attitudes, group behavior, altruism, and aggression, culture, prejudice, and many other topics. Social psychologists study real-world problems using a scientific approach. Thinking about your own interpersonal interactions from the point of view of social psychology can help you better understand and respond to them. Social psychologists study the person-situation interaction, how characteristics of the person and characteristics of the social situation interact to determine behavior. Many human social behaviors have been selected by evolutionary adaptation. The social situation creates social norms, shared ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving. And finally, cultural differences. For instance, an individualistic versus collectivistic orientations guide our everyday behavior. Well, that was really fascinating. As our world becomes more interconnected and more social, we're going to have to learn and understand how our differences can coincide socially. It's a little bit different online when you're interacting on social media than in person because there's a lot of cultural differences, traditions, and neither is wrong. So we see how that dynamic will evolve over time because we need to help each other, learn from each other. We're all part of the same human world being aren't we right we're all in this together and it's just the world's getting smaller so we need to stay strong we need to gather together we need to be social for our own mental health and it will lead you to live a more inspired life 